0: Blog Talk Radio
1: The following program is brought to you by Bread and Roses Feminist News and Public Affairs on KBOO Community Radio in Portland, Oregon since 1978 the longest running feminist radio program in the country. We are now proud to bring our women produced programming to Sovia Global Media Network.
0: long rays, are touched by the radiance that the sun discloses oh
1: Welcome to Bread and Roses. I'm Delphine Cretchenzo. Bread and Roses is a collective of women-identified radio activists bringing you feminist news and public affairs. Women have had this forum since 1978, therefore making Bread and Roses the longest-running feminist show in the nation. Please check us out on the web, kboo.fm slash breadandroses. You can also find us on Facebook under Kboo Bread and Roses. And if you would like to join our collective of women hosts, please contact Ani Haynes, Kabu volunteer manager, at volunteer at Tonight, I welcome the four collaborators of a storytelling project entitled What's the Love of Your Life? Emily Sterling, Kelly Henson, Kenny Field, and Zoe Piliathis. I'm sure you've heard the joke that you know, says that young people come to Portland to retire, but hey, what about the people of retiring age who've lived their lives here or who have children caring for them here? How about those folks who live in retirement homes all over the city? Well, the local storytellers I welcomed tonight felt it was time for them to share the stories of the residents of one retirement home, the Emerson House Dementia Care Facility on Southeast Division Street. They interviewed and photographed the residents and find that, quote, in memory loss, in aging, in an assisted living facility, there can be beauty, grace, dignity, and great adventure, end of quote. And they wondered also, quote, is it possible that when your memory begins to cloud, you hold on more strongly to memories of your truest love. When the distraction of lives life's mundane memories disappear, are you left with the distillation of your life's truest love? Well we'll discuss their findings tonight. Let me introduce my guests. Emily Sterling is writer, educator, storyteller in Portland. She loves interviewing people about their lives, especially older generation. She believes that listening is an act of love. Kelly Hansen looks for opportunity, adventure, and lessons in the people and things around her. Her interests include photography, writing, music, and most of all, advocacy. Kenny Field has worked at Emerson House in the Life Enrichment Department since 2007. While engaging and interacting with the residents, he strives to fulfill each resident's need through activities that touch on mind, body, and spirit. Kenny truly enjoys each day with the residents' hoping it can be a light down their final stretch of life's path. Zoli Piliafus is a passionate storyteller. She's worked for a number of years in public education and most recently in international journalism. She's passionate about equity and loves the exploration of storytelling as a way to empower us in gaining different perspectives and understanding. Welcome all of you to Brand Loses. Thank, Thank you, so. Delphine. Thank you. Okay, first question that I have is, you know, really, how did this uh, storytelling project idea come, come, uh, come about?
2: The storytelling project. Oh, my. It's kind of a funny story. So I was actually, I used to live off of Division, Thirty Six and Division, which is where Emerson House is. And I would go to Eugenio's. I'm going to shout out Eugenio's if people are listening that go there. Eugenio's is a fabulous bar. So <laughs> I used to sit there and drink IPAs and, you know, get to know my fellow Eugenio's and local neighborhood people. So as I'm sitting there one day, it's like probably like 7.30, 8 o'clock at night, enjoying a nice beer, and I look up, and there was a light on, and there was a gentleman that was kind of looking down at us, and we looked a little closer, and we said, what is going on here? And We realized that it was an elderly home, an assisted living home, and as a joke, we're like, let's break them out, let's break them out, and we're, we're going to run, where are we going to go? They would have
0: loved that.
2: They would have loved it. It would have <laughs> been fun. fun. Um, But then we started to talk about this idea that we've been sitting on division for, I think at that point I'd lived on division for a year, and I hadn't even realized that Emerson House was there, and I'm fairly new to Portland, three and a half years in, and what I love about Portland is this idea of locality and where we get our food, to knowing our neighbors, to supporting, you know, the local artists and and shops, but then it occurred to me that we were forgetting a very important population that sat right before our eyes. Um, And so the project kind of came about. We said, why don't we get to know our neighbors? And why don't we know their stories and take pictures of their beauty? And I knew Emily. Um, Emily used to work with me, and she has a passion for storytelling. So I called up Emily and said, would you be interested? And she said I was gay. Mm
0: -hmm. So
2: then I contacted Emerson House and they said Kenny Kenny Field is the gentleman you want to talk to so i contacted Kenny Kenny met him for a beer Apparently I'm drinking a lot of beer. <laughs> met him for a beer and, and told him the idea. <laughs> I think I had story.
0: a cider. So you had a beer.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so Kenny, I'm really curious about, you know, wh- what was your your initial reaction to um this this idea of um of a storytelling project that would um, you know, involve the residents of of your home and and why did you think it was a good idea?
3: So when Zoe came to me, uh, we met up for that beer and cider, and um, <laughs> I, I had been involved in a um, fundraiser for the Alzheimer's Association uh, that I put together called Rocking Against Alzheimer's for years before that. And so when a person of my age um, was interested in showcasing people who have Alzheimer's and dementia, um, one of our big mission statements for Rock Against Alzheimer's was to get young people involved with mm. the older population and kind of bring Alzheimer's to a forefront. So um, when Zoe came, she was super enthusiastic and said, I want to do this project. And, um, you know, I look at all my residents every single day, and they have so many stories. Even if they repeat the stories every day, it's still interesting every single time. And um, when they tell those stories, because of the dementia, I always kind of describe it as every day I go to work, it's like going into Wonderland or going <laughs> through the looking glass a little bit, because all these stories have um, great meaning and you know, they're very meaningful to these individuals, Mm -hmm. um, but every once in a while, because of the dementia, you get this little twist, and Mm -hmm. everything seems like it should make sense, but sometimes there's that little twist, and and I really wanted to capture that.
2: It sounds like the dream that you were telling us, Delphine. Yes.
1: Yes. (laughs) Don't share my dream okay. on the
2: air. I, I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> to the listeners, Delphine and I are very good
1: friends. <laughs> uh, you're listening to Bread and Roses, and um, I'm Delphine Cretenzo. and tonight I'm re- I'm welcoming in the studio the four collaborators of a storytelling project entitled What's the Love of Your Life? And we just started talking about how this, the idea for the project originated. And so, um, Kenny, you shared that you work at the um, Emerson House, but... Kelly, Emily, and Zoe, you guys were coming from the outside. Tell tell me about the first time you took a tour in um, the Emerson House, and what were you expecting to see, and, and what did you see? Maybe, Emily, would you go?
4: Sure. Kenny took um, me on a tour of the facility, and I have to admit I was a little bit nervous at first just because I had never been in a dementia care facility before. I didn't quite know what it would be like, how responsive folks would be, um, kind of what their level of interaction would be. Um, So I think the first time it was just kind of getting my bearings and talking to a few folks. Um, But then after having been in there five, six times doing interviews over time, it was like coming back to a kind of a college dorm room in a way. (laughs) Because, you know, everybody knows each other, they're really loved and supported, and uh, just knowing each of them individually um, through the process, really, I became really comfortable
1: mm-hmm. there. Kelly, how about you? How how was the first time you you toured the place?
4: I guess I
5: had an idea of what it might be like, but I, I walked in and thought, oh, I'm really glad I'm not old and I don't have to live here. Um, and... W- the you the might more, more i was, yeah <laughs> um that was my honest reaction and and then i started talking to people and it was really fun to watch kenny interact with the residents because uh it's clear that he has a great relationship with mm-hmm. a lot of them and um and i realized pretty soon that this is this is people's homes and the second time i came back similarly to emily it it felt a lot nicer and mm-hmm. um and Some residents said, like, well, we really like it here. And had I known that, like, the first time I walked in, I would have been like, oh, their expectation. Mm -hmm. I think, too, just
2: to kind of piggyback off what she said, this idea, Della, one of our friends, we talked about- uh, Host
1: and producer of Brian Roses as well.
2: She had said to us recently that the one thing we know for certain is we're all going to die. Mm -hmm. And I think that one of our fears is also that we're going to die with that certainty. And it brings us pause or hesitation um, to connect with people that are kind of on the cusp of that. And so I would say my challenge to the viewers is if you have um, human beings that are living in your community, get their wisdom, go in there, shake their hands, and, Mm -hmm. you know, having the candor from Emily and Kelly that they were fearful at first, um, I think really speaks to getting over your fears um, and and learning. Mm -hmm. And and
3: one of the things at Emerson House is, yes, one of the inevitable things that we will experience in life is an end. But one of the greatest things I've learned working at Emerson House, um, who my old boss Chris Nelson taught me, is that just because they're in this final stretch of of a path doesn't mean that it has to be this um, sad, drawn-out process. And -hmm. and while these people are confused and less cognitively aware, um, we can set a structure for them. Um, to still enjoy life and thrive as they're going through this transition.
1: Mm-hmm. So. I'm, I'm curious. Um, I'm assuming you are in your 30s. What led you to the, this line of work?
3: I am. I'm 30. I and thought
2: um, you were 18,
1: Kenny. <laughs>
3: <laughs> if I shave, I look like I'm 18. <laughs> I just
1: look
3: like I'm 21. Um, so I sold industrial tools before this, which was terrible. I hated it. I worked for my dad, which actually wasn't that bad working for my dad, but uh, I kind of ran into some financial problems, and he came to me and said, hey, I don't know if I can pay you your next paycheck, so I um, was stressed out, but it also gave me kind of the kick in the butt that I needed to get out, because I did want to do something else, and went to the bar and ran into my friend Catherine, who was the marketing person at Emerson House at the time, and she told me about the life enrichment assistant job. Hmm and uh she said oh yeah you sing songs you, you play a clown you play bingo you take people out for walks you go on outings and i was like cool i can do that <laughs> and she's like but it's not like hanging out with your grandparents you know these people are you know i have a, a cognitive decline and there are certain behaviors that you will see and so i went and interviewed uh with chris and um uh he asked me some questions i talked to some of the residents and uh uh, I think later on that week he called me and offered me the job, and I took it and and fell in love with every mm-hmm. resident that I've worked with over the seven years. You know, um, you see a lot of people pass through, but you know you you kind of have a peaceful closure with it because they no longer have to deal with this confusion that mm-hmm. they're stuck in. Um, we try to help them through it, but then you know they finally kind of cross over, and mm-hmm. and uh, it's really a beautiful thing to sit with someone as that happens.
2: Something I love about Kenny when we were getting this project together. Um, Just this past Monday, kind of putting the final touches, I said, hey, do you think you'll ever do something else? And he said, no, I, I love my job, and it's nice to hear someone say mm-hmm. that they love their job.
1: And so you came up with the, the the idea for the project at first. Where was your, your first intention uh, with this pro- with this project? What did you expect to learn from the residents of the Emerson House? Do
2: you know, I think that it, it kind of manifested into something different, which I think is a, a smart place to be when you enter a storytelling project. If you have, like, an end goal in mind um, and don't mm-hmm. allow the stories mm-hmm. themselves to kind of – move into something Mm -hmm. else. I I really wanted to to understand and and get wisdom from them. I think that we want to tote on a bumper sticker that the elderly have something to give us and that they're wise, but we don't actually then back that up with our actions. So I wanted to back up my actions um, and and learn from them. And Emily and I would then meet um, and she would tell me these stories and she does
4: great impressions.
2: I don't know if she'll do it (laughs) today. She does great impressions where I would laugh my butt off. But then also we would analyze, and the stories were just so human. And then there was threads in the Mm stories, themes. And the themes that started to come out were about these passions that these human beings had. And I know I started to see myself in one of the residents in particular. Um, She wears (laughs) fabulous hats and has fingernail polish and she has great shoes. So if I'm painting a picture for the viewers, I'm saying that I'm very fabulous. Um, and she liked to travel a lot. And she had all these wild stories. And I thought, man, I can see myself in this woman. And I, need, in fact, need to know her.
1: Mm-hmm. When uh, We're going to take a, sh- a short break um and when we come back we're gonna talk about what you guys found. You you had maybe these ideas going in. Um and, and so let's we're gonna hear about um some of the stories that that you heard. The four collaborators of this uh, storytelling project entitled What's the Love of Your Life are Emily Sterling, Kelly Hansen, Kenny Field, and Zoe Pellefison. they all braved the snow today to be here in the studio, which is amazing. And uh, their project is actually uh, being exhibited I- at Portland Grind, the stories and, and the photographs. Um, let's talk a little bit about invisibility. Um, Zoe, whenever you first share the the story of, of how this uh, idea came about, you talked about how you had no idea, um, so I'm going to be honest, and I also live very close to Division, uh, exactly where Emerson House is. I walk past it so many times, and uh, as I was preparing for the show, and met with you guys, et cetera, a few days later, I just happened to walk by, and I was like, it is right here. <laughs> <laughs> well, there it is. So talk about in- invisibility. What are you wanting people to know about aging about people in 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 residents homes. Yeah, you know,
2: if I were to think back at a, at a conversation years and years ago, I had a professor, um her name was Elaine, and she was an uh, an older woman. I put quotes around because What does that mean? Right? Maybe older at the time to me was 50, mm-hmm. was 60. And we were it was a feminist class that I was taking and uh, we were talking about what it means to be a woman and to have doors get open for you and elevators, you know, that someone holds the door as you're walking and all these things that happen just kind of based on what we look like, which I think is very arbitrary. And she said to me, she said, "Zoe, when you get older, you won't be experiencing that anymore, and there will be a level of invisibility." And I think in my early 20s, I didn't quite know what that was, and kind of realizing that as we walk by people that perhaps have a challenge that's a disability um, that we choose not to look down and Mm -hmm. look at them in their eye or someone that's a a homeless human being and we choose to just walk by them as if they don't exist I think that we also do that with the elderly in our society Um, and I would say that we need to stop doing that and be more self-aware of everyone that's around us Mm -hmm. Kenny?
3: And also I I feel like in a society that we live in, especially in America, if you're not contributing to the the big picture, um, you, got, you get pushed by the wayside, kind of like Zoe was saying, but even more so with people who have um, dementia, you know, mm-hmm. because um, they even more so in society's picture aren't contributing, but they still, as we find out, have so many stories and so many lessons that people can learn from. And they're still there. So mm-hmm. we need to pay attention to them. They're not invisible. They're physically in our communities. So,
1: And you are interacting with them on a daily basis. Do they feel that really big separation from society? Do they feel isolated and invisible?
3: Some who are in the early stages of their dementia, uh, where they are more aware of their surroundings, yeah, um, as the disease progresses. They tend to lose that awareness of what's around them, and and um, you know it's kind of like a, a you buy a flower for someone and it starts to kind of close in.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, that's kind of the way it works out.
0: Hmm.
3: Um, so yes, we do have some residents who feel like they're looked past. Um, we have other residents who feel completely content and aren't aware, and we have residents who are completely not aware because the disease process has um, has progressed so much.
4: Mm-hmm. Emily? And I think that raises an interesting point because when we were having these conversations with folks, they were like, is this going to be all about me? Like they were shocked and sometimes uncomfortable with the fact that we wanted to know like these things about their lives, like, oh, I'm important and why do you want to ask me these questions? You know, because I think so often they've been ignored or not asked about their opinion or their experience in life. Mm. So. I not say one other
2: thing of this idea of beauty if, if you have an opportunity to, to look at Kelly Hansen's photographs, I think that we've decided that beauty is about being young. And as I sit here with a little bit of gray hair and think about do I want to dye this, and the answer is no. You may want to ask me in 10 years from now if the answer is <laughs> still going to be no. But I think that we have to start looking at our definition of beauty and realize that it is not achievable because in fact it's going to go away in about three or four years, right? So all of you people in your 20s, wait till you get in your 30s, wait till you get in your 40s. And if we can look at beauty as age as well, the age spots as being something beautiful, the wrinkles that happen in our eyes because maybe we smiled too much or cried too much or laughed too much, whatever that is. Um, So I would challenge you to take a look at Kelly's picture. She's done a fabulous job capturing that beauty.
1: And so the photos are at Portland Grind. Um, Do you have the address or the neighborhood location? It is Southeast Powell and 12th. Okay. Um, So tell us about the storytelling project. How did it actually physically happen? Um, Who was interviewing these folks? Um, Kelly, you were taking photographs.
4: Yeah, it started quite a few months ago. Um, Kenny and I just set up a time to come in, and he sat with me, and I had a recorder, and he had a few people in mind who he knew would be um, kind of at a at a cognitive level to to have discussions, and who also would be willing. Um, and Kenny was a big part of facilitating those conversations as well because I've I've done a lot of interviews, but Mm -hmm. never with folks with dementia, so you know, you kind of just have to go with the flow, and it's really a a beautiful thing to see um, Mm -hmm. what emerges, and really it's not very different than a lot of other interviews.
3: Well, Mm -hmm. Emily did great, too, um, engaging with the residents. Uh, I do it every day, so I kind of have a a pattern and and certain ways of engaging with the residents to kind of bring stuff out of them. Uh, But Emily caught on right away and, and, you know, they're they're people, you just got to talk to them. And and something else we tried to do is obviously we can't interview someone who is in the later stages because Mm -hmm. they do lose their ability to speak or it comes out as what we call word salad. Things get all Mm -hmm. jumbled up. But we did try to pick people who Mm -hmm. were in early stages and then into middle stages so the people reading these stories could kind of see what's going on as well Mm -hmm. uh, with the disease process.
1: Kayla, would you talk a little bit about the uh, photographing these people? Yeah. Uh,
5: my role was a lot of fun. I went in one time without Emily. This was Kenny and I, and um, I took a lot of pictures of folks, and uh, one woman, Kathy, was really excited. She was telling me how she hadn't had her portrait taken in years, um, <laughs> which I was thinking about when we were talking about being invisible, mm-hmm. uh, how she was very, very excited to to have her portrait taken. And um, and it was fun, too, because I wanted to capture moments of lucidity and, and make sure that these photos were an act of dignity. And um, I think had I been there by myself, it wouldn't have worked out so well. But Kenny was really genuine with, with the folks, and um, we got some
3: really great photos.
0: Mm-hmm. And
3: yeah. also, you know, Kelly did a really good job. If you go, please go look at the pictures because she did a really good job of um, capturing them as the way you they usually live. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of times, when you see pictures of of individuals with Alzheimer's, you see them like gazing out a window, and mm-hmm. it's raining outside, and you know they have <laughs> their their chin on their hand. Do and they all live in Portland then? <laughs> yes, <laughs> um, but but that's not necessarily true. They have ups and downs like we do, and and a lot of the times our residents. Are having a good time. Yes, there are times where they become agitated or anxious or sad, um, but that's not the general case of what you see in a lot of advertisements mm-hmm. um, for for whatever you know uh, medications or whatever. So Kelly did a good job mm-hmm. of capturing the way they actually live.
4: Mm-hmm. Emily. And I think when, um, when you walk into the exhibit at the Portland Grind, the first person that's going to greet you is are photos of Kimmy. And uh, <laughs> we kind of pulled out one of her main quotes, which was that she just exudes this absolute joy. Um, and so the quote is like, I'm a happy girl. I'm never lonely. I'm never sad. I'm just always happy. And I think, just like Kenny said, um, there's such joy in um, all these folks' experiences.
1: Mm-hmm. Talk about storytelling, the power of, of storytelling, of people sharing their stories, but also of people hearing or listening to other people's stories. I say Emily. Goes.
4: <laughs> we all looked at each other. We're like,
2: who's going to tell their own story with this Everybody. one?
4: Everybody. Uh, storytelling is incredibly powerful. I mean, um, just... Listening, like I said, like you introduced me, uh, I definitely believe that listening is an act of love. You show that someone is valuable by mm-hmm. allowing them <coughs> to tell their stories to others, and it is also an honor to be able to express their stories and present them uh, to the general public because not everyone could just go into Emerson House and, and sit down and, and meet with folks. They could if they wanted to. You can talk to Kenny about that. And
3: Not everyone, there's background checks.
4: There you go. <laughs> But, um, yeah, there's just such power. And I think, like Zoe said, she saw herself reflected in stories that she heard from other people, um, from older folks. So you, you find those common threads, as we all try to, I think, in our common human experience. And um, storytelling is, is the vehicle to connecting with, with strangers. And I think a lot of our fear comes from not knowing. And so storytelling is another way to bridge the divide of, of not knowing and, and become comfortable with um Aging in this case and, and dementia. Do you know,
2: just to, to add on to that, I think once we realize we can say that everyone has a story, but mm-hmm. once we actually own that as our being, it makes us less likely to dismiss the person that's beside us. And also, you know, I'll, I'll tell you, I'm an aggressive driver. Dell, you've driven with me. Has anybody else driven with me? I have. Kenny just recently did, which yeah, was a
3: lot of
0: honking.
2: Yeah, a lot of honking. And <laughs> <laughs> it, I think it makes you check yourself. Because as you walk and you're angry and you're, or, you know, whatever's happening with your day, if you realize that the person be, beside you has a story of their day as well, um, or, or, you know, their walk if they've had a bad day and they're getting aggressive with you or you see someone crying, if you realize that the life, the life that we live are these stories and that it is important what Emily said to be open, open to listening to them so we can gain understanding of the humanity around us, Um, I think that's the
1: power of of storytelling. I'd love to hear from from Kelly on storytelling as well.
5: Yeah, this this project was a a good reminder about storytelling. And um, uh, Emily was saying listening is an act of love, and I think we all uh, can show love in that way, but there's also a sort of selfish part of of listening. Mm -hmm. And I think we all were able to have a little bit of self-discovery through listening and saw what we needed to see from the stories that we collected.
1: Mm-hmm. And, Kenny, what was the um, the reaction from uh, the residents whenever you approached them and you said, hey, this group of folks is coming in, they want to hear your stories, they want to take pictures of you?
3: Well, uh, I think it was Emily who was saying, mm-hmm. you know, some of them were pretty reserved, saying, uh, you know, oh, you want to just talk about me?
0: Mm-hmm.
3: You know, what about you? Well, no, we're here to talk about you. And, and as we started asking them questions and, and engaging with them, uh, they kind of forgot about that in a way um, and they just started and we would do kind of like an interview and they would just start sp- telling these stories and, and, and it would just kind of flow out of them mm-hmm. um, and then even when Kelly came in we had a lady who refused to have her picture taken and and. We finally kind of got her to say okay, so Kelly kind of started snapping pictures, and she had a New Yorker magazine in front of her face the whole time, and I actually think it's on the website. Yeah,
1: that's actually the picture I used for the promo for the show.
3: But as we kept uh, taking pictures, she started to kind of yak it up and started making jokes and pointing out (laughs) pictures in the New Yorker, and, you know, who's this guy, (laughs) and, uh, you know, cracking jokes, and so she got a little more comfortable, and... And um, I mean that's the cool thing about about what what I do and what we we've, we've done here is is you start to quickly form a relationship with people you know whether it's uh, in a five minute photo shoot or a ten minute photo shoot or or seven years it's it's you know these people uh, thrive to to have that connection with you.
1: Mm-hmm. You're listening to Brad and Roses, and um, I have with me in the studio the four collaborators of this. Um, storytelling project and the title is What's the Love of Your Life and you're probably wondering at this point um, how the title came about and so um, the title of the uh, project is What is the Love of Your Life again exhibited all throughout the month of February at Portland Wine. So what did you guys learn about love?
5: <laughs> well when I heard about the project Zoe and Emily were telling me how they were trying to pull out themes from these stories and my thought was we're going to find out the meaning of life. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to find out that everyone talks about family or everyone talks about adventure or everyone talks about their spouse. And, um, and then when we went in, of course it was much more nuanced. Um, Everyone had a different passion and um, it made me reflect on, on what is, what is the love of your life? And, and we realized that people when they're starting to tell certain stories uh, they talk about what they love, and it was a way to, to figure that out.
2: Mm-hmm. I would also say, for me, I'm a single woman, um, and that isn't a pitch for anything out there. <laughs> <laughs> You're hey, pitching for money, too. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, as you navigate being single, and I have a, a whole group of friends that are single, it seems like everyone is searching for love, and I get that. However, I would say that it is important to search for your own personal love and passion, for completeness. And I think that as we continue to search, we're ultimately saying we're searching for happiness in someone else. And to hear from from these human beings, their stories that were centered on travel to politics to, you know, help me out. There were so many different themes that we pulled out and just this idea that you should be spending the time on the love of your life and it doesn't necessarily have to look like an intimate partner. It, in, in fact, can be politics. It can be the revolution. It can be the love of your life K-Boo. or your dog. It can be animals. It can be kaboo But making sure that you understand yourself enough to know what that is and challenge yourself to make sure that you're cultivating that time to allow it to thrive. Kenny.
3: So I actually brought some, some notes of residents and saying what the love of their life is. And a handful did say my wife, my husband, my kids.
1: Okay,
3: that's um, good to know. But, th- <laughs> but some people did give me answers that you wouldn't really expect. So one lady said, I like sewing. I can make anything you want. Um, that's good. I had another lady say, I love skiing and my kids. Um, another lady, the lady who was reading The New Yorker I was talking about said reading. <laughs>
0: um,
3: Another lady, which I think is awesome for this project, who we didn't get a chance to interview, said language and words, mm. which is awesome. I love that. And another lady just l- kind of laughed at me and looked at me and said, it could be all over the place. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's um, good. Yeah, you find out some, some pretty cool things. Uh, Kenny, and
2: what's the love of your life? Music. Mm.
3: And, my, and my job.
1: Del, what's yours? <laughs> um. I'm the interviewer here. I would
0: love, I'd, love, I'd love to
1: hear from you guys. Though, as far you. as did um, you know, doing this project actually uh, made you think about the love of your life or the meaning of your life.
5: Yeah, it, it made me feel really good about my <laughs> life. It was. It made me realize that there is no answer, and I think sometimes when we look at people who are in a different stage of life than we are, we think. Initially, like, oh, what is my stage and what should I be doing right now? And mm-hmm. we went a little deeper from that initial reaction when I walked into Emerson House for the first time to figuring out that, oh, the stages are arbitrary and I'm doing what I want to do and I feel I like great that. about it.
3: Another cool thing is that the love of your life at your time can always change. Yeah. Right. You know, it can, it can be the, the, the partner that you're with or it can be, I just said music, but who knows what it's going to be. Mm-hmm. tomorrow yeah, or 10 years,
1: ten years, ten years now. from
3: now or 30 years from now. So,
1: mm-hmm. Emily, <laughs> did you learn anything about yourself?
4: <laughs> yeah, definitely. I would agree. Uh, what, what Kelly said echoed with me as well, that it actually comforted me in a way to know that, um, I mean, they talked about so many different stages of their lives and the fact that I'm still young and there's there are many great adventures to be had and just not to shy away from doing um Things that sound like great adventures or risks, because they're going to make really great stories to tell again and again to whoever's going to listen. And um, yeah, I've, it was a, a really great experience. So
1: mm-hmm. you're listening to Bread and Roses. I'm Delphine Kurchenko, and as we wrap it up with these uh, four wonderful guests this evening um, talking about the storytelling project that they put together um, when they interviewed and photographed um, residents of the um, Emerson House. Um, what's the exhibit looks like and how are you hoping to engage people to come see the exhibit? Sure. Should I
2: start? Yeah. Since, yeah. Go for it. So <laughs>
1: when you enter
2: it, it'll say what is the love of your life which is timely because we've got the fabulous Valentine's Day upon us next week. Um, but So I I guess we did this on purpose for people to kind of think about love in a different way. So you'll see what is the love of your life. And then you'll see Kimmy. Um, So you'll see pictures of each, kind of a blown up picture of each with the stories around them and some pulled out Mm. pronounced Mm. quotes. But then you'll see our little trick on this. Of how to engage. So we talked about we sat in a group and we thought something about art that we would like to see is that there's ways for people to engage with the art besides mm-hmm. just looking at it. And Kelly had a fabulous idea that we kind of brainstormed and workshop together, and it was the idea of the selfie. Right. Ooh, what's yeah. the selfie? Can we just say, don't we wish the selfie would go away? Yeah, right. Just explain vain.
1: what the selfie. So is. those of you that don't know what a <laughs> selfie is.
2: Um, is when you hold your iPhone or whatever gadget you have, whatever gadget you have, and you kind of put it away from yourself to take a picture of yourself because <laughs> you're that selfish and you want everyone to see how good-looking yourself is. And so you know, that's, this has like kind of happened since digital media has kind of taken over and that we have these cell phones. Um, so we thought, you know what? Why don't we ask people to take a selfie with... Um, a, a piece of paper that describes the love of their life mm. and to hashtag it. And to be honest, I didn't really, none of us really knew what hashtags were. We were sitting, we're like, we know these things called hashtags exist. <laughs> and Emily's like, what happens? Does it go into a hashtag universe? <laughs> you know, is this marijuana induced? We didn't understand what was going on. New but then to we, the iPhone. Right? Yeah.
1: <laughs> so
2: anyway, if you hashtag what is the love of your life, with your selfie image and what, in fact, your love your life is. So mine is risk-taking, for example. It'll all go to one spot, and you can see what other people are saying about the love of their lives.
1: <laughs> Thank you so much uh, for braving the weather this evening um, and uh, and coming in the studio. Um, Zoe Pelliefas, uh Emily Sterling, Kelly Henson, and Kenny Field. Thank you so much. You Thank rock, you, Thank you. To. Thank you, and uh, thank all of you for tuning in this evening to Bread and Roses, and thank you for uh, your contribution to your community radio station. Bread and Roses is a collective of women-identified radio activists bringing you feminist news and public affairs. Please check us out on the web, kboo.fm slash Bread and on Facebook, KBOO Bread and Roses. Um, Stay safe, everyone.